Alrighty. So today on the T Podcast, we have Walter Campbell, who is running for Lafayette Tax Assessor. He is going to be talking with us about uh, that position and what it means for him to be running in that position. We're also going to be just kind of getting to know Walter a little bit, kind of what led him up to getting to this point. But uh, yeah, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Walter, uh, got, glad to have you on. Man, finally able to make this work. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, so um, real quick, our presenting sponsor is Chase Group Construction. They take the lead and become your one point of contact for the entire design build process. So if you have a uh, project that you want to build, they are the go-to guys. They're local. They have a diverse portfolio of projects that range from medical to popular restaurants like the Fat Pats and several others that are well-known. I'll get a list eventually. And then multi-unit shopping center developments. Their website is chasegroupconstruction.com. You can see their logo on the screen right there. Chasegroupconstruction.com. Check them out and uh, thank them for supporting us. All right. So, Walter, uh, good to have you on. Let's... uh, Let's kind of get our introductions in order and just kind of uh, figure out who you are. Before that, I have my cameras. I look like I'm looking at a wall, like the opposite way. Let me fix that real quick. And then let's see. Give me one second. <laughs> I am just. There we go. We're going to get it. We're going to make this one. There we go. Now, uh, it looks like I'm looking at you and not you looking that way at me. Okay. Yeah, so um, who are you? What um, are you? Have you, have you always been in Lafayette? Like, just tell us a little bit about you. <clears throat> I'm originally from New Orleans. Okay. And um, came to college here and graduated in 1992 with a degree in business. I love Lafayette. Uh, my wife and I did move away to back to New Orleans, which is where we're both from, for a bit, and then came back to Lafayette and... Uh, raised our family here, and we love we love being here. Okay, so originally from New Orleans, you said you moved here in 92? I actually moved here in 89. 89. And graduated from USL in 92. Okay, so you went to college here. Yes, yes. Graduated with a degree in business. Okay. Using the GI Bill. I'd, uh, I'd, I was in the uh, Air Force, and I was still in the Louisiana Air National Guard at the time, so I would go back from Lafayette back to New Orleans to my my post. So you were in the Air Force. What were you, what was your position in the Air Force? My military specialty was navigational aids and meteorology. So we did everything from work on the equipment that allows planes to find the airport and land safely to uh, weather balloons. Uh, One of our cool missions was doing weather balloons at Cape Canaveral in Florida for the shuttle takeoffs. Nice, yes. nice. So, but you're not a you're not a pilot. No, sir. I I actually did uh, take private pilot's license training here in Lafayette at uh, Cherry Air, and I was a finalist for a flight slot to fly for the Louisiana Air National Guard to fly F-15s. But God didn't have it in His will to uh, to have me do that. So yeah, I still love flying. I still fly from time to time and uh, it's enjoyable it's it's 
very peaceful. Yeah. When did you get out of the military? 1994. 1994. Okay. And what was that experience like? Is it something that you thought was good for you? Or would you tell people? Oh, man, I'm a proud veteran. Uh, I support the vets 150%. I did not go to war. I was not a foreign. Uh, you know, we my squadron did volunteer to serve when Iraq invaded Kuwait, but they had other squadrons that were already more available than good old New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you get out of the military in 94, and your your major in college was business. I know you, before you were running for tax assessor, I know you as a real estate agent. That's correct. So when did you, well, so you moved back to Lafayette in 92, right? Uh, no, um, graduated college in 92, Got went it. back to New Orleans. Okay. And then in the year, in January of 2000, I became a realtor. Got it. Prior to that, I was in uh, the information technology industry. Okay. So after college, I, I had already worked in IT. Got it. During college, I worked for a, a company out on Johnston Street called Inatech Computer Systems, I think it was. And then um, even prior to that... I worked uh, in the um, communications industry. My dad had a telecommunications consulting company. So we did all kinds of things related to computers and related to telephone systems. So I started with him when I was 18. Okay. And so when did you say, when did you, say you got into real estate? In January of 2000. January of 2000. Why the shift from technology IT. to real estate? <clears throat> my when family, technology seems to like have been growing well, really I'm, fast at that I'm, point. I still love technology. Yeah. It has grown fast and, and uh, I'm really scared of AI. It is, <laughs> it is, it's amazing. Uh, no, it, what it was, was my brother-in-law was a realtor here in okay. Lafayette and my family and I got together in new Orleans and I'm, I'm going to give the credit to my mother-in-law. She said, Walter, uh, flipping houses has become really, really popular, and your brother-in-law is already licensed in Lafayette. I would like you to consider getting licensed, too, and what we're going to do is he's going to move back to New Orleans, and we're going to start flipping houses, and you'll list and sell them, and he will handle the construction side. So it was like, awesome plan. So within probably six months of me becoming a realtor, we did our first flip, and that was in, in, uh, in the year 2000. And we made out well. My mother-in-law funded it. Yeah. And my brother-in-law did all the sweat equity and then paid her back her original investment, plus, of course, a third of the profit. And so we all made some money. It was great. And it set me on a really great trajectory as not only a realtor, but also as an investor. Nice. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I'm going off. So um, I had, my question was, dealing with real estate and flipping houses, of course. But um, obviously, it was a very lucrative kind of situation. Was this sparked? Because, I mean, at, at that time, there was a lot of, you know, HGTV was coming out with a lot of oh, uh, yes. flipping houses type Absolutely. shows. And then, I mean, Absolutely. there are even more now. Yep. Um, we definitely got on that train. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then in 2002, uh, myself and a couple more realtors, a builder and a developer started our own company. 
It was called Main Street Realty. And we did everything from development all the way through construction and, and post-sale. Plus, we sold resales. Okay. So, and then, um, unfortunately, Katrina hit. And, again, family got together. I didn't tell you this, but my, my wife and I both graduated from USL. My father-in-law graduated from SLI. My brother-in-law graduated from USL. So, we have a long legacy with USL. Yeah. In, in Lafayette. And so um, we got together, and our houses didn't flood. Thank you, though. Thank you, Lord. Uh, but it was bad. And along with th- tens of thousands of other people, we got out of New Orleans. And uh, my mother-in-law credited her again. She said, Walter, I know your business is booming because I was selling them flooded, gutted, you name it. You name it, I was selling them. We would sell an entire block of property to a developer. You know, it would go to each individual homeowner. Yeah that their houses flooded, terrible tragedy. But we would end up selling that developer a whole block or most of a block of houses. And um, so we got back together in uh, early 06, and we said, look, we got to get out of New Orleans, and there's only one place in Louisiana that we're all all willing to move to, and that's Lafayette, Louisiana. <laughs> and so I started coming back uh, here in 2006, and started Main Street Realty here in Lafayette. And in 2009, we merged uh, Main Street Realty into Keller Williams. And that's where I've been. In fact, uh, this month starts my 15th year at Keller Williams. Wow, mm-hmm. man. Okay, so now that begs the question of why um, going into the tax assessor run, um, I want to I wanna get into that real quick. I do have a couple more sponsors, and then we'll be cruise, cruising after that. So uh, if you haven't seen already, the logo's at the bottom. So our first, um, I'll say our first, our, technically our second sponsor is Music Academy of Acadiana. They are a great local company. They teach students uh, in several different fields of music, including audio production, but of course instruments like the saxophone, flute, drums. Uh, if you want to improve your voice, because not everybody can sing, but you might have slight abilities, they can help you improve on that. Uh, they even have helped people get into college and even major music competitions like American Idol and The Voice. And they're founded by UL Lafayette Music School graduate, Tim Benson, who has basically created this company into what it is today. They have national recognition and have consistently been voted as a top music school since 2016. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. Check out their website, musicacademyacadiana.com. And then we have Electronic Protection Systems, a.k.a. EPS. They have been around for over 20 years, uh, serving Acadiana in the home security realm, and I'm pretty sure they offer uh, commercial security as well. And then also they just got into whole home water conditioning solutions so basically if your if your water in your house doesn't taste good or it doesn't smell good they have the equipment that you can buy and have services that help filter your water and make it taste better make your appliances like your washer and your dishwashers run better uh, just really cool stuff they have a, a water filtration system that they put at your kitchen sink so you can have even three times the the, the filtered water uh, they have zero down payments on a lot of their stuff, no out-of-pocket expenses, no long-term contracts. It's all month-to-month, 
and they have 24-7 monitoring, which is super cheap, uh, like $20 a month. Is, you know, if you have your own equipment and, or if it's once it's paid off, it's only $20 a month. And then, of course, the water systems, really great stuff. So you can check out their website or actually our referral link, which is linking to their website. It's link, L-I-N-K, dot developinglafayette.com slash EPS. Just go to that link and you'll be able to check out their services and get contacted. If you want your water tested at your house to see if it's even good or bad, they'll do that for free. And yeah, or you can just go to their website, eps-online.com. Their phone number is on the screen. It's 337-232-2487. And with that, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of why Walter is now running for a, an office. So you're, you're in real estate, you're, you're a, a veteran. What, what came across your mind to say you want to run for Lafayette tax assessor? In 2008, I was uh, sitting with my friend Louis Perrette at a Boy Scouting event. He and I were both involved in the troop at Our Lady of Fatima School. And I told him that I was interested in running for public office. And he said, well, which role? I said, I'd like to be the assessor. And it really came from my interest in real estate. I'd, uh, I'd grown quite a bit, you know, owning my own company for a number of years, being involved in lots of different commercial and residential aspects of real estate. It just, that, that would be the one that I would choose. And so ever since then, and I, of course I contacted our current assessor, Conrad Como, and I've been in, uh, off and on contact with him for numerous years, 15 years, about my interest in running. And he's been very helpful. He's met with me several times. Um, we've talked about the assessor role several times. And it's just uh, when I learned of his retiring, I said, well, this is my time. And so um, now I've got 24 years of real estate experience. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I value property every day. I help buyers and sellers in commercial and residential. And I value property for banks. I value property for other third parties. They contact me to get valuations. And so I would like to do that. I would, and we didn't talk about it yet, Ben, but the, um, I've also been very involved in a community aspect here in, in uh, Lafayette. And so I wanted to combine my interest in real estate and my desire to serve our community in specifically this role. And another thing about it is I find that the clerk's office and the assessor's office particularly are not very political. Okay. I don't like politics. I don't like horse trading. I don't like, what I like is providing our community with value. Uh, I, I promise uh, fair, accurate, unbiased valuations. And that's been something that I've done professionally now for 24 years. Okay. So when you say not political, you're talking about like, there's no reason for people to mudsling in that situation, is no, it? No, no, no. It, it's um, like versus like a legislative position, like mm -hmm. a council person or a state legislator. Yeah, you're not making policy per se, right? Or no, wrong. not per se. It's really carrying out the duty of the assessor, which is to value residential property, commercial property, and business assets. That's what the assessor's role in our community is. They're the chief valuation officer for the city parish government just like the clerk of court is the chief records keeper for the city parish government. So they're not, they're not, uh, they're not, um, 
like like I don't have to go to battle with other councilmen yeah, or right. other uh, or be at odds with people. If you don't like the assessment, please come in. Let's have a cup of coffee and talk about it. Not uh, you know, it's not like the constant battle that my friends in the Louisiana state legislature <laughs> faced just a month ago. Yeah, yeah, I have no interest in that. Um, so regarding the assessor's office, like, what are are there any things that are glaring issues in the assessor's office or in the the role right now? Like, basically, what I'm getting at is, what do you believe that you can bring to the table that would improve the assessor's office versus or versus just claiming a spot and running it at, at the status quo that it's in. So having an interest in it for the last 15 years, you can probably guess I've talked to thousands of people. Yeah. I've talked to thousands of people about uh, what's good about the assessor's office, what are some challenges with the assessor's office. And Conrad Como has been in there what will be, when he retires next year, 24 years. And he has done good things in the assessor's office. However, some of the areas that I think need attention are number one, the technology in the office. I have heard it from thousands of people that it, it's outdated and it requires updating. And I've heard that from former uh, assessor employees. I've heard that from my realtor friends. Uh, the You may not know it, but realtors, lenders, title attorneys, abstractors, appraisers, landmen and women, and, and many city parish employees use the assessor site Daily. Yeah. I use it so much that when I go to my browser and I type the letter L, it populates LafayetteAssessor.com. <laughs> and so um, the uh, the website isn't even mobile, uh, mobile yeah, friendly. Yeah, yeah. And so just common things that I think, in fact, some of our surrounding parishes, I'll give you some examples. Uh, in New Iberia Parish, in Iberia Parish, sorry, uh, the, the uh, assessor site has a, a picture of the subject property. We don't have that in our assessor. Uh, site in Lafayette. It also has a sketch of the of the footprint of the home with the square footage. They've gone out, measured it, and they published that on the website oh, for wow. the public. It's, yeah. a, it's on the public side. In Acadia Parish, the public can download recorded instruments, uh, plats, and surveys. You have to pay for it, but it's it's on the assessor site. You just go to it, and you can download it directly to your computer. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I'm like, Lafayette Parish should be leading the charge when it comes to the top technology in the municipal government, in my opinion. Yeah, look, I agree. I don't know why we have some of the outdated software and systems that we have. Uh, kind of going along in a, in a similar vein. Uh, so I look at building permits a lot, or used to. And um, there are some, the the program that they were using, it was super simple they that they were using let me make sure i i preface that um and now the system that they're using while it's newer it feels like it went backwards and i'm like why is it such a struggle to even look up a like to look up a date range sure. you really have to like finagle the 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 software to get what you want versus you know the the last system was just you know you this tab says hey look up a date range and you would click it and you would just have you made that department a planning department of aware that it's more of a struggle especially let me tell you uh john uh broils broils he's uh over the the department 
And I've told him, and he's sympathized. He said, look, I, I or empathize, whichever one's the correct Both. one. But he, <laughs> yeah, he said, look, I agree. He said, we're working on it. So he did say that the old system was less, um, could have less modifications. This one, they can tailor the system to how they want it. So they are, he, he stresses that they are working on making it better and to be more in line with the systems that they had, but it's just more up to date. And, uh, I, I, I appreciate that, but still it's, it's a task. Um, so I'm hoping that the system does get better, but it feels old. So kind of in that same vein, So that would, that would be number one is improving the technology. And, uh, number two, as a veteran, I would like to do more outbound communication from the assessor's office, particularly to disabled vets, as well as senior citizens. Uh, I, my team and I have been walking for, this is our ninth week, walking door to door. And I love it. I love getting out, meeting our community. You loved it, especially in this heat? I don't care. <laughs> it's it's uh, uh, what I tell people. Uh, number one, uh, every fourth house, almost by default, somebody offers me a bottle of water. Oh yeah, Number good, two, yeah. once your body sweats, and God gives me a, a good three to five mile an hour wind. It's like air, air conditioning anyway. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, that's just, what sweats for anyway, after, right? You you supposed, it's after. supposed to cool yeah. your body off. And so, um, um, but I, in my real estate career, I've served lots of seniors and I've served lots of veterans. And when I've been door knocking, speaking to these same parties, uh, you'd be surprised. We voted to give disabled veterans tax benefits, but they don't, they tell me they don't hear about them. If they don't go to... Um, VFW or another uh, veteran organization on a regular basis. They're not hearing about the veteran benefits and seniors as well. I have met so many seniors that even, even, and these are affluent people. Uh, they didn't even know about the homestead exemption hmm. and, and they're in their eighties and they qualify for the assessment freeze. So what I want to do is I want to use tools available to us, public service announcements, on the Lamar digital billboards, for example, radio and television, just 15 second spots where a disabled veteran is talking to another disabled veteran about, hey, I got some benefits due to my um, my um, veteran, disabled veteran status. Have you looked into that? I'm 65, my household adjusted income is $100,000 or less, and I, I take advantage of the senior freeze. Have you looked at that? And just... Help them know that those are available to them. Uh, so that's another uh, area. Uh, number three, I've, uh, I w when I was in IT, uh, I worked for some big companies. In fact, one of my companies that I worked for, our client was AT&T Long Distance. And so I, I was involved at that time in IBM equipment. Very expensive. You know, the cell phone has more power than it now. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of crazy. But these, I had two big systems, and they, they managed AT&T Long Distance's clients. And I, I did a lot of work with databases, and I noticed that there was a time in government where each department was kind of, they had their own little fiefdoms, if you will. That that's my data, that's my data, even though it was the same data virtually. You and I are in no fewer than four databases in Lafayette Parish. You, you and I are in the assessor's website. I'm sorry, assessor's database, the clerk of court, the sheriff, and the tax collector. 
you're in our databases. We in our we are both in those databases. There are probably numerous other ones. Yeah, yeah. And so along my in my conversations, I'm talking with different assessors. I'm talking with different other municipal leaders, and and they're like, it's not my data anymore. And I to me, I said it, it was never your data. It was the people's data. It's the public's data. Yeah. And so so in talking, uh, I I said, well, why why don't we just consolidate the databases into one secure database? that each department can access. It's much more efficient. It is, uh, pr it, it will uh, probably not eliminate, eliminate, but it will reduce errors. It will reduce duplications. It will reduce omissions. And I know that it can be done because the Acadia Parish assessor told me that they have just consolidated their sheriff, their clerk, and their assessor into one database. And so I've already talked to the clerk of court here, and I've already talked to the sheriff, and you know, the sheriff told me, he said, Walter, if I could focus my attention on law enforcement, which is what the people hired me to do, instead of managing a, da a database, how much more effective could I be? I loved that. And, and so they both said, look, we are happy to look at that with you because there's no... So the sheriff would look at the, at the data from the sheriff's standpoint. standpoint. Yeah. The clerk the assessor and the tax collector <clears throat> would see it from their standpoint, but it would only be one. You would only be one. Uh, you'd be in there one time. One, one, uh, what's the right word I'm thinking of? One contact. Yeah. Instead of multiple contacts. So instead of being in multiple databases, just being in one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think that it would save the taxpayers money and or allow those departments to reallocate funds to... Other things, like for the sheriff, for more deputies, for instance, or more equipment for the office. But he wouldn't have to include database management or slash IT in the budget like he does right now, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I guess I'm kind of thinking about, you know, the assessor's office a little bit more and kind of what the taxes that are gained from what the tax assessor essentially does and all that stuff that goes through it, um, you know, police department, fire department. Um, I'm pretty sure there's several other departments that are, you know, I think the obviously the schools are all ran through that tax that's collected. Sure. So what happens is each year the assessor values property, yeah, which is the sole responsibility of that department, right? That and hearing appeals on people that think that adjustments need to be made in there in there <laughs> yeah you went up on my taxes lately <laughs> that's right and so so the sh the assessor then sends the the valuations to the sheriff and then the sheriff the tax collector works for the sheriff and so the sheriff shares the data with the tax collector the tax collector assigns the millages that we've voted on to the values created by the assessor's office and there your tax bill is created and that's why you, you will get the tax bill not from the assessor you get it from the, the sheriff hmm. or the city tax collector. Yeah. You'll get a city bill if you live in the city. You'll get a parish bill if you live in the, if you also live in the parish. So, so, and then the sheriff collects the taxes, right? The assessor doesn't. That's why you never pay the assessor. You don't, you don't send a check to 1010 Lafayette Street. You send it to the sheriff's office or to the city tax collector, right? And so, I, I Ben, actually, I want to remove the word tax. Okay. From the department. It's sure. going to be the Lafayette Parish Assessor because that's what we do. And it's important that the assessor provide the sheriff with the valuations in a very timely manner because if the 
assessor doesn't provide it to the sheriff in a timely manner, the sheriff and the tax collector can't produce the bills to send out to the yeah. to the um, to the public. Uh, real quick, you mentioned uh, me paying, uh, being as a homeowner paying the taxes to uh, a specific, so not the assessor itself, but the sheriff. I'll be honest, um, I, I. I didn't know where the money, like where it was paid to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get the the paper that says this is not a bill; it's just the assessment, mm-hmm. um, and it comes from the assessor's office. But as far as paying the sheriff department, because I live in the uh, unincorporated portion of the parish, I had no clue. I just knew that my monthly mortgage has an escrow. Mm-hmm. The escrow, whoever the the people that manage it, our mortgage company they pay out of the escrow to the taxes. And I get notified, hey, on your behalf, we paid the taxes. And usually it's in line with the, the, the this is not the bill, but the assessment uh, paper. Uh, I had no clue where essentially they were paying it to. I just knew that it was going to the appropriate place. I had no clue. So I think it's interesting that you say that because I don't know. I think the majority of people that are homeowners have no clue that, the, where that money is actually going. And I think um, I've been to a couple of Conrad Como's classes. Very, He's a very good educator. I would like to see more of it, though, for the public's sake. Look, it's a boring topic unless you're mad <laughs> about your taxes, yeah. okay? And, and However, we have awesome tools like YouTube and other things. Like on the webpage, on the assessor's webpage, I would like to see a frequently asked question section. FAQ section that has commonly asked questions. Where's my money go? What's it used for? And I want to, just like uh, uh, our parish president put in place, I want to have the Louisiana checkbook in the assessor's office too because I believe from a transparency standpoint, the public needs to know where every dime that goes into the assessor's budget is spent. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Yes, Uh, that's... Transparency is the most important thing because if the if the public doesn't trust a governmental department, it's just going to be havoc. And I want to, I'll just say, build more trust. And I think the trust is built in transparency and education. So that's what I'd like to do. Well, so when you say transparency, so what's interesting is a lot of people running for an office use the word transparency as the uh, as the buzzword and whenever if they do make it into office transparency gets pretty opaque no it should be clear as glass and what that means is if somebody were to call or i would say put it on the webpage uh, a frequently asked question how is my tax on my property derived what if I don't agree with the tax on my property or the valuation assigned to my property, the assessed value, yeah. for example? Then then here's the process. And I want to streamline that process. Uh, I went into our assessor's office one time, and he had stack, stacked 12 inches tall of, of uh, appeals. <laughs> to me, in 2023, there should be a way to streamline that process. Not only the the receiving of the calls, but the streamlining of the schedule to meet with people. Uh, one of my lender friends, in fact, I have met others that have been in there. I said, how many hours were you at the assessor's office? And I one line. One of my friends, he's a lender, 
He spent six hours waiting to speak to somebody about an appeal in the office. Six hours. Six hours. And I'm a businessman. You are not going to waste six hours of my time. And so I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. But there's got to be a way. And I'm, I'm, what my plan is, uh, is to meet with other assessors. I want to find the best practices out there right now for like handling. in other parishes. Just, oh, absolutely yeah. for handling uh, assessment processes. Okay, because I think it could be done better. You know, in my business, if you wanted to go look at a house, I would go onto my phone or I would call uh, a showing service, a scheduling service. It's as easy as going online, and it is eleven fifty-two. I would like to show that home at twelve thirty to twelve forty-five. Okay, bam. If it's available, it, it blacks out the times that isn't available, and it makes available the times that are available. And for an appeals, for example, for an appeals conversation, I'd say block out an hour. Yeah. You know, but you know when you should be there. And if you're late, we're going to reschedule it because I don't want the office to be late. Right. I want the I want it to to run much more like clockwork. But for a a resident in Lafayette Parish. To wait six hours to discuss a, an appeal. Oh, no, that's crazy. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, I could see if you go bring your car to get it fixed and you wait a couple of hours. I mean, that's your mode of transportation if you have no other way around or unless you Uber. Yeah, doing that. But, like, having to wait to talk about something as simple, I say as simple, as your own property's taxes uh, and if you have an issue with it, and that conversation may take only, only 10 minutes mm -hmm. or 15 minutes, whatever the case is, or longer. But I don't anticipate those conversations being that long. It's, it's so crazy that it's not already efficient or should or should have been. And, and maybe one of the FAQs could be, if I don't agree with my valuation, what are my options? Yeah. Oh, I like, would love to know the options because like, that was my next question. But go ahead. Like somebody might, like, I would advise... You should talk to an appraiser because if you get if you get an appraiser to go out and look at your property and they say no your house isn't worth four hundred fifty thousand dollars in my opinion it's worth four hundred thousand dollars and I base that on these comparable sales in the area, boy that evidence is really good yeah yeah you know and and <clears throat> maybe there are some other ways I know as a realtor we have a great AI tool it's called the Realtor Property Resource where I could go on and I could pull up your house and if there have been an ample amount of sales around your home it will determine a really, a really strong price range that your home should sell in if you wanted to sell it. That's not the uh, the Zillow's estimate, huh? No, sir. <laughs> it's much more accurate than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I know a lot of real estate, real estate agents. Uh, I would put up the RPR yeah. against Zillow all day, every day. Okay. Yeah. So my question on the uh, options for if you want to appeal your uh, tax um, assessment, what... What let's say I get an assessment like mine, I just like everybody's went up, mm -hmm. and I am like, nope, don't like it, but I don't know why I don't like it except for the fact that it went up. Well, your assessment should go up, however, I can tell you, talking with people as I'm walking door to door, some of them haven't gone up in years. That's, is that, that's, is that, that's that, a problem I find. Is is it is, just overlooked or is it? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to the question. But I've had uh, residents complain that, and I'm, this is an affluent neighborhood in the center of Lafayette. And they said, Walter, I bought my house 10 years ago for this price. And I added value to the home 
you know, built a pool or what have you, whatever he had improved it. And he goes back and looks at his assessment 10, 10 years later, and it's the same as when he bought it. Okay. I don't understand how that even is possible because, and, and maybe maybe in my learning um, by speaking with other assessors, I can, I can understand how it could have happened. Maybe it was overlooked. Yeah. Um, but there, I see uh, that there are many properties that haven't been updated value-wise, assessed value-wise in many, many years. And some people have complained that their assessed value is way over the value that they think it should be. And perhaps um, I, I think that they're right. In fact, some have even said, and I went down and I appealed it and it was, and it was adjusted. Okay. So, for example, if I have a problem with my appeal, I mean, not appealed, uh, assessed taxes, if I wanted to compare my situation, but let's say before I appealed, let's just say I was curious to see what my neighbors were set at. Is that a fair thing to do is if you have a neighbor that has a similar house, like chances are it's, a, it's very similar. Absolutely. To compare That's taxes. That's what I would do. Okay. I would look because the public site tells you yeah. what your neighbors are paying too. Okay. Wouldn't it be great? And maybe maybe you and I were talking about AI a little bit earlier. Uh, maybe Maybe that would be a way to like look at groups of areas. Like if you lived in Bendale Gardens, for example, a lot of homes in there, are, they were 60 years old. Yep. So if you could look there and it's kind of like a pocket of, of, of these homes, there's got to be, I'm probably guessing, but let's call it 250 homes in Bendale. That there are, if you put in like an age, age range from, you know, 50 to 70 years old and you put, you know, that it's 2,000 square feet, three bedrooms, two baths, boom. You know, you ought to at least have a range. Yeah. Are you in that range or are you not in that range? You know, because if, if you're above that range, you know, that would cause me, that would alarm me. I would want to. But if I was in that range, I probably should feel comfortable uh, that that I'm assessed reasonably accurately. Um, you know, when you first buy your house, like you just bought a house, right? Yep. Well, when you buy the house, because people don't know sometimes how their taxes are derived, but... When you buy that house, <clears throat> that becomes the basis of your valuation, that sale price. Yeah. So if you bought it for a quarter million dollars, whatever, $250,000, whatever the number is, that is the basis right there. So so it will only adjust from there. Okay. Uh, a lot of people don't even know that part, <laughs> you know. So um, that begins the basis yeah. where the assessment starts. So if I heard you correctly, if if you were to get into the office – and being being able to have the ability to make it more efficient and do all that. You mentioned AI. Is that a path that you see that you would be able to take immediately, or is that something that you know you would it would take a few years to get to that point to where I, we could look at a date range of houses similar size as mine? You know, all the the parameters. Is that something that you see feasible in your in if you were put into that position? The answer is yes. The technology exists right now. Yeah. Like if I go on to uh, the realtor property resource and I pull up the subject property, let's say it's your house, it will immediately pull up a map and it'll pull up any recent sales around the area. And I can adjust all of that stuff. Wouldn't it be cool to just apply that to uh, a municipal website government website like the assessor site that you know you could pull up and see that you're in a range consistent with others around you 
Because to be an outlier, either really, really low, which means they're not paying their fair share of taxes, or really, really high, and they're paying more than their fair share of taxes, neither side is fair. But I think that the, the technology exists today to bring it more in line with what the value should be. And I think that the assessed value should probably usually, especially for a home that hasn't sold in many, many years, mm -hmm. it should still probably be within 70 to 80% of the market value. Have you gone on the assessor's website? Yeah, okay. I've been on there a few times. So when you go and you pull up your property, there's an assessed value and yep. it breaks it down, the land, the improvements, et cetera. And then there's a market value. Well, that market value is never very, in my opinion, very accurate. But the assessed value should should fall in line with that, uh, about seventy five to eighty percent. Okay. That because especially for the home, because if you if you turn around and sold your home tomorrow for three hundred thousand dollars, that would be the basis for the next residence oh, wow. tax property uh, assessment. So something that um, I've noticed on the assessor's website, because I yeah I don't go on there often, but there are times when. I'm looking to see if a property sold mm -hmm. or, you know, find some information on a particular property that may not have a building permit or anything like that. But let's say that there's a business that bought property. I, I probably should have gone to clerk of court, but let's say I go to the tax assessor's website, hoping for up-to-date information. What I find is that information is usually, you know, it could be four weeks. It could be two months, mm -hmm. three months, three months out of date. You know, uh, we were talking about the consolidation of the database earlier. Mm -hmm. This will help. My idea, if 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 the concept in my brain can be turned into reality, like I think it can because Acadia just did it, uh, the title attorneys have been talking to me about this. There's, uh, they're doing e-recordings now. So when they complete a sale, they scan in the closing documents, and it sends to the clerk's office. Well, if we only had one database, that that incoming closing documents would be scanned to the to the clerk's office. The clerk's staff would ensure that all of the correct documents are there. They would stamp it received at this date. That would be considered recorded, and then boom, it's available to everybody right now. Not a month, not two months later. It's available to the the, the sheriff right now because you got to know how important address and person are to the sheriff yeah you know in case something goes sideways right, right. he wants to know who's living there you know or she so so um i would love to see that and the attorneys have been like man if you can make that happen so that the assessor site is updated as soon as it's approved and recorded by the clerk's office because it's already there yeah because i feel like it takes forever to update sometimes it, it does yes. yeah yeah um so we're at about almost 45 minutes and I'll, I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time because we did get a late start, but um, regarding the, the parish and specifically the city of Lafayette as a whole, um, where do you think we are on a, on our path to being a, a well-ran established um, community? Do you think we're on a good path or is there certain not i'm not trying to get and i'm not trying to pin you in a in a political sense i'm just just talking as a i'm happy to answer that yeah I mean, so where do you think we're going lafayette parish mm -hmm. is like a bubble it, it's it's you know that lafayette parish and saint tammany parish vie for number one number two most most prosperous parish in the state of louisiana really uh -huh. okay and did you know that the residents 
of St. Tammany Parish pay 60% more in property taxes than the residents in Lafayette Parish. St. That, Tammany is the number one tax collector of property taxes in the state of Louisiana. Lafayette is number nine. And I'm so proud of that because I think that if you look around Lafayette, you are amazed at all of the wonderful growth we've had. Our suburbs, Youngsville, Broussard, Dusan, Scott, Karen Crow, they're booming. They're growing massively while our surrounding parishes unfortunately are declining and a lot of those people are moving to Lafayette Park. yeah they're all moving to Lafayette because yeah. we're so, getting all this stuff and so so you know that that's why we get the top golfs that's why we get the uh Dave and Busters uh as I understood it I, it's not I don't know it to be true but I was told that Dave and Busters looked at Baton Rouge mm-hmm. and chose Lafayette oh yeah I mean Baton completely Rouge. skipped over Baton Rouge and I was like wow yeah. that's and crazy so I mean no we're we're in a, an amazing bubble. I think our government is well ran, real, well, well run. I think, um, look, we can all do better. Yeah. Uh, the parish president, mayor president, he's he's done. We have, I've never seen so many roads resurfaced. And so, don't get me wrong. When the word surplus comes to my mind, I'm like, well, give it back to me if you have a surplus. <laughs> right. However, this uh, COVID surplus that the that the federal federal government gave to the states, the states gave to the parishes and the city governments. I will tell you that in my opinion, the money has been used prudently. I have not heard of any other than just infighting within the parish city, parish council with the, with the, uh, with the mayor president. Right. None of that stuff has like, if he'd done something wrong, you know, he would face the consequences, but our, our government, I think you're always going to have that because you got two sides or three sides, you know, the, his, his side, her side, and the truth, you know? Yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. So, um, but I think generally residents in Lafayette Parish, if you, if you were to, uh, not political, just quality of life, how would you rate your quality of life in Lafayette, Louisiana? I'm a 10. We have a wonderful university that is number two. I would say number two in the state behind LSU. That's where I would put it. And um, residential growth, business growth. I've I've never seen a, a city a parish that has so many small businesses. In fact, uh, there are so many restaurants in Lafayette Parish that you could eat each meal of each day at a different restaurant and not have to eat the same restaurant twice. That's think crazy. About, think about that math. No, it, think about that math. That's that's a lot of math right there. But that's crazy. We have a so lot. Three meals a day. Three yeah. meals a day. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. We have we have that many restaurants. That is and, wild. And the food is great. The people treat each other well. Generally, I think here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and our economy is booming. Yeah. So I agree with uh, pretty much all of it. Um, the, and I I do think because I'm in leadership Lafayette right now, and I don't know if you've ever been ever been class twenty two. The there best class. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you don't know that whole reference, the best class ever, uh, sign, go to apply, go apply for a leadership Lafayette. Um, I think there are applications open pretty soon. I think by an October-ish, maybe November, um, maybe even earlier than that. But so, yeah. So going back to that, leadership Lafayette, I'm learning uh, with quality of life and hearing what people – 
in our class, our classmates, and the the diversity that we have in there, because we have you know white, black, Hispanic, uh, we have of course men and women, and then also other so people that identify differently, and their opinions. And I say opinions because that's I mean at, at the that's what you can boil it down to is that their quality of life is different. My opinion of quality of life here is different. I feel like it's pretty good. You say yours is a 10. I feel like mine is a 9.5 because I think that we need a water park and that would boost my quality of life just a little bit more in Lafayette. But uh, that's for another discussion. But what we boil down quality of life to essentially is um, access in the parish and what that means for people. So some people don't, don't have access to grocery stores. There's food deserts in Lafayette. Mm -hmm. So while I think overall our quality of life is pretty much a 10, I think there are obvious improvements. And obviously that's something that the assessor's office really can't dictate. That's, that's, that goes above, that almost goes above the mayor president's head. Like that's a, that's a big task, but, um, yeah, it just, I was just, you know, coming off of that, that, your, your mention of quality of life, which mm -hmm. I think is good. And I didn't realize that the, so you said St. Tammany. The number one. Is the number one. And our, we pay less property taxes. That's, that's the craziest thing because I feel like. Substantially less. But like why, why see, are we. And so, by the way, you can find that easily on Google. Yeah. So why are we so much lower on the tax revenue we, side? We control, the residents control, the voters, not the residents. The voters control our taxes. So do you remember back in 2017 when the, the school board uh, wanted to raise a quarter of a billion dollars in taxes? Mm -hmm. That would have made a major impact in our property taxes, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. A quarter of a billion dollars spread among our 150,000 th 150, homes. That's a lot. And businesses, by the way, right? And so, and remarkably, and I'm, I'm happy for that, the school board was able to do without asking us for a quarter of a billion dollars. I know. It was, it, that's crazy. And it's amazing. I mean, the, the Truman School, the Lafayette High, I mean, all these, it's wonderful. And they were able to figure it out. Yeah. I know that is the, the most shocking thing for a lot of people, especially when we were, whenever we post about a new school's construction and our update on that construction. People go, man, it's, it's insane what the parish can do with, without getting a tax raise yeah, and what they can do with their One-time one spending. Yes, yeah. and it's smart. And like I'd said earlier, I think it's the government has made some prudent decisions. Okay, is there a minute for one more quick topic? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, um, the fourth item in my platform is homestead exemption fraud. Have you heard of that before? Mm -mm. Okay, what does that mean? I'll tell you. So uh, one of our realtors came to me and said, "Walter, you're running for assessor." I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "One of my clients is taking four homestead exemptions on four properties in four parishes." But can't you only take homestead exemption if you live in one? Like it's on it's your permanent you're, residence, right? You're right. You are right. You know the law. You're allowed one homestead exemption okay. in the state of Louisiana, and it's for your primary residence. Wow. And so I was like, that can't be. So I, I called the uh, the assessor and I said, how can this be? And he said, well, it's because the 64 parish assessors don't talk to each other. Mm. And so I was like, mm, okay. So I, I, you know, as a realtor, I have access to every parcel of land in America. I can tell you who owns it, what they paid for it, 
and what's on it, residential, commercial, or vacant. So just doing That's my a homework, lot of power. Just doing my, my homework, uh, I called the assessor over in Acadia Parish. I said, is this homestead exemption fraud thing real? And he said, yes, it is. In fact, it happened just today. So I said, how did you know that? Oh, what he said was that he had a, res a resident in Acadia Parish taking a Louisiana homestead exemption. They own another property in North Carolina. They were taking another homestead exemption there, which, of course, is not allowed. I said, how did you find out about that? He said, I subscribe to a nationwide database that tells me where every person's primary residence is registered. Mm. So, so what he did was he had a choice. He could squash, I say squash, he could end the homestead exemption rights in Louisiana and let them take their North Carolina and gain more money for, for uh, Acadia Parish, which I think is probably what happened. But it gives the assessor some control because that person that was taking four homestead exemptions, three of them illegally, that's $225,000 worth of taxable real estate that you and I don't get the benefit of, that person does. So I want to, as the Lafayette assessor, I want to get the same application as, as Acadia Parish is using, and I want to identify people that might be taking more than one assessment and just, just investigate and find out if there's some legitimacy to it or not. According to one police chief who told me that homestead exemption is rampant, I said, that's crazy. And he said, I'll bet if you do what you're talking about, you can recover a million dollars in unpaid tax revenue to the city parish government. Hmm. I was like, okay. And so, so my platform, that completes my platform, by the way. Um, my platform has been developed by talking to people. Okay. Find out, finding yeah. out what's important to them. I mean, that's usually a good thing to start with. Yes, exactly. It's not what's important to me. It's what, what's important to the residents of Lafayette Parish. And so I've developed my, my platform based on that. And last thing I'll tell you, because it, it's a big deal to me, is I've been a Republican since I turned 18. When okay. I went to, when I turned 18 and I, and I registered for Selective Service, I also registered as a Republican. Did you know why you were registering for Republican at the time, though? Uh, sure not. But my dad was a Republican and my mom was a Democrat. Okay. And so in that case, I, my dad said, I'd like you to register as a Republican. So I did. Okay. And so, uh, of course, no 18-year-old knows that. Well, of course. Few, you know? <laughs> right. So, so uh, and I also am proud that the, uh, the parish executive committee for the Republican Party endorsed me. Uh, as as an endorsed candidate, and I'm proud of that, and I'm the only endorsed candidate in my race. So I wanted to make sure that the listeners knew that. There you go. Well, I am a registered independent uh, since I've been 18 because I had absolutely no clue what Democrat and Republican stood for, and I'll be honest, today, I, sometimes I still question it. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, well, I feel like it's not to say that it's flip-flopping, but it feels like it because sometimes I'm like, okay, the Democrats are kind of making sense. And then, you know, another day the Republicans seem to make sense. And then, then there are days where both of them don't make sense. And I'm like, you know what? I really I can't see myself putting a label on my voting power at the moment, even though my wife, she registered non, uh, no party as well. But recently, um, I think for the 2020 election, Right before it, she changed hers to Republican because she was like, I want to be able to vote in the primary because I can't vote in the primary in Louisiana because I'm an independent, which I think is so weird. But um, it is what it is. So, yeah, I just 
it's it's interesting. But yeah, congrats on that. I know it's a it's a big deal, especially for being endorsed. Um, you know what I will say is when I was in high school, Ronald Reagan was the president. Oh wow! And so having um, um, an awesome, I thought he did a great job. My mom would disagree, but but <laughs> I thought he did a great job for the country, and um, that probably also led to my decision because I if I would have been in high school when Jimmy Carter was the president, I, it might have changed my decision. But yeah, I can it see was, that. It was Reagan and my dad and and a conservative community, and I'm glad that I did join the Republican Party. I, you can almost get rid of the party names and just say, I'm a conservative. Yeah. That's what I would say. Okay. Well, I got, I got one more thing. Uh, and you can, you can say no comment if you wished. Um, Bill Clinton. What is your, like, did you like Bill Clinton? Even though he was a Democrat? Sure. I feel sure, like a lot sure. of people like him. He was a charismatic him. person. I think, I think that he did bring um, um, feuding parties together. And I think that he used his, his charisma to do that. And I think that he did achieve a lot and, um, his personal business aside, cause I have no interest in that. Yeah. I do think that he was, uh, a better than not president for the United States. Yeah. Uh, whenever I was a kid, I was, I was like, he it was the early nineties or kind of mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, I, I think in 95, I was probably 10 years old. Yeah, roughly close. I'm nine, actually, because I was born in 86. So in 95, I was about <laughs> nine years old. Uh, all I knew is that... I graduated high school in 1995. <laughs> look, I'm sorry. Look, I, I, I feel old, though. Look, uh, but I'm, I'm, I, look, trust me, I'm, I'm knocking on 40's door in a few years, and, I, and I'm starting to feel that, that generational gap with other people, and I'm like, man, I'm not liking it, but whatever. It is what it is. Because yeah. now I'm hearing people being born after 9-11. I'm like... How do, how how like nine eleven just happened? But no, it's been God twenty two years. Yeah, in fact, that date's coming up. Yeah, it's coming up days. quick. Yeah, um, but yeah, man, uh, I don't want to take too much more of your time. But I just thought it was cool to get your thoughts on that. And because uh, Bill Clinton, I, I saw a video today that somebody said Bill Clinton was one of the best presidents that we've had. That could be argued, of course, but um, he was a Good president. I remember my, my mom and dad uh, talking b- about him a lot. Now, there were some scandals that happened, you know, personal business aside, like you said. But uh, like you said, charismatic. And he, he came to Louisiana a few times. He, um, Our church, um, so I go to church here in Lafayette, but they have their parent church uh, in um, Tioga or in Alexandria area. And they host a uh, Christmas play every year and uh, an Easter play every year. And Bill Clinton is good friends with the pastor of the church and their family. And he flew in. Oh, God, this was like in the, in the 90s, but he's probably done it multiple times uh, to go watch the play. And I remember hearing my mom and dad talk about Bill Clinton, the president of the United States, being in Alexandria. And we were eating in Alexandria while he was in Alexandria. I thought that was the coolest thing. I never met the guy, never seen him in person, but just to know that we were in the same city. Now, I would have done that with Obama. Mm -hmm. uh, Oh, yeah. Even even Biden, even though... the leader of the free world. Yeah. Yeah, you should. Even Biden, even though he probably wouldn't know where he is. But, you know, I I would still feel like there's like, wow, there's like this energy... Being in the city, yeah. and it's just uh, it's yeah. really cool. But yeah, um, we could talk, you know, about that too. But um, I want to thank you for taking your time to chat about the assessor's office and a little bit of your your history and what kind of what that led up to you running. My pleasure. 
Thank yeah. You, is there anything else before we go? I think uh, I do want to show your website real quick. So Election that day is that. October 14th, which is in 43 days. Uh, if you early vote, uh, the polls open September 30th for a week. Awesome. Well, you can check out more about Campbell at his website, campbellforassessor.com. It's on your screen or just Google Walter Campbell, Lafayette Parish Assessor. You'll, you'll find out some more about him. You can read about a little bit about his family and a little bit about what he believes in, and you'll kind of get your, your quick um, example of who he is real, real quick on his website. It's pretty, pretty easy to read and quick to gather information. So, again, with that, uh, Walter, it was a pleasure to have you on, and good luck in the race. Thank you, Ben. All right, guys, and that is it. We'll see you on the next one.